So, we started this sermon series last week on the book of Galatians called Jesus Frees Us. And today we're talking about how Jesus frees us from our past. Have you ever felt imprisoned by your past? Have you ever felt like you've made too many mistakes, uh, you, you, you messed up in too many ways, for God to use you in his service, or you messed up in too many ways for God to, to love you. Maybe you feel like you messed up in too many ways for God to forgive you. Uh, that you just don't deserve his love, you don't deserve his forgiveness, you don't deserve to be used by him in his kingdom, uh, you don't deserve to be used by him in his church. I know there's, as I look back on my life, and some of the mistakes I've made, some of the sins that I've committed, uh, some of the things I've done that I'm not proud of, some of the regrets that I have. And I, I think to myself, what gives me the right to get up every Sunday and talk about Jesus? Knowing that the mistakes that I've made, the things that I've done, the things that I've said, the people that I've hurt, the, the, the stupid choices I've made, what, what gives me the right to get up and, and say anything to anybody else about how to live their life? Sometimes I feel imprisoned by my past. That the things I've done in the past should disqualify me for any way of serving God in the future. Or should disqualify me from God's love. Or should disqualify me from God's grace. You ever felt that way? You know, I think we all do from time to time. Because we know ourselves so well. Uh, we know our attitudes. Uh, the way that we judge other people. The way that we look down on others. We know our, our own sins all too well. The things that we do that we know we're not supposed to do. Or the things that we don't do that we know that we should do. You know, we, we feel guilty. Uh, we feel like we're not worthy. And, and we're just stuck in a prison of our past. Well, there's good news. See, Jesus frees us from the prison of our past. And that's what I want to talk about today for about, about 25 minutes or so. Now, we started a sermon series last week called Jesus Frees Us, and it's based on the book of Galatians. Now, the book of Galatians is a letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, who we're going to find out today was one of Jesus' biggest enemies and became Jesus' biggest cheerleader. And we're going to see that transformation that took place in his life. And so today we're going to look at Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. It's on page 823 of the Bible in the chair in front of you. I just kind of want to just rehash a little bit of the history of Galatians and, and what it's all about. That uh, in, uh, Galatia wasn't a city, it was a region uh, in what is now Turkey. And so Paul is writing this letter about midway through the first century. Probably about 20, 25 years after Jesus had been raised from the dead. Now Jesus, the Son of God, went to the cross and he suffered and died for our sins on our behalf. Uh, he uh, was the ultimate perfect human sacrifice who gave up himself uh, for the forgiveness of our sin. Now, the way that works is that in the Old Testament they would sacrifice an animal on the day of atonement in order to atone for the sins of the nation. But the book of Hebrews tells us that the blood of bulls and goats is not effective in taking away the sins of humanity. That it requires a, a human sacrifice 
one life given for all of humanity. And that's what Jesus did. When he went to the cross and he suffered and he died for our sins so that our sins could be forgiven, he went to the cross and did just that. We have a human sacrifice that was required. And Jesus uh, took our place on the cross. The death that we deserve, he took in our place. So, in uh, Galatians chapter 1, we read about this group of people, these Jewish believers in Jesus, who were trying to convince Gentile believers in Jesus that they needed to become Jews before they could become Christians. That they had to become the people of God as Jews before they could become the people of God as Christians. And the outward sign, they had to become a Jew outwardly, and the outward sign of, of Judaism uh, was circumcision. And all Jewish baby boys were circumcised uh, according to the law of Moses. And so these Jewish Christian believers were telling the Gentile Christian believers that in order to become part of God's family, you had to do so outwardly by being circumcised first. And Paul, last week we saw, was not only uh, angry at this, but he was astonished. He couldn't believe that the Galatians were falling for this false gospel. If you remember, I said last week that the ancient Greek word for gospel is a word that means good news. And Paul was telling them that this is not good news that you guys were listening to. This is bad news. It's no gospel at all. It's no good news at all. It is bad news. So it says, I, I, I'm astonished that you would be so quickly abandoning the good news for this news that is not good at all. So that brings us up to where we are today in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. And we're going to talk about how Jesus frees us from our past. Because Paul's going to talk about his past and the things that he did and how Jesus forgave him. And I want to bring it into the present time. And how Jesus can forgive us from our past as well. And set us free from the prison of our past. Now, if you brought a Bible, great. Or if you're watching online, fantastic. Turn to Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's alright. You can grab one of the chair in front of you. If you want to follow along in a Bible, it's on page 823. Or you can use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. Or follow along with the words on the screen. Uh, so, I want to read first from... Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, and talk about them, and then we'll check. We're going to take this in three little bits this morning. So, uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel, again, that's that Greek word for good news, the good news I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now this is important because there were some who were accusing Paul of preaching a, a, a false gospel, a, a word that didn't come from Jesus. Last week we saw that Paul said he was sent, he was an apostle. The ancient Greek word for apostle literally, literally means one who is sent. And so he says, I was sent by Jesus to preach a message from Jesus. It didn't come from any man. It didn't come from any person. Nobody told me this. It wasn't passed on to me. I received it directly from Jesus Christ. That's where the message that I preached to you, Galatians, came from. It was directly from Jesus. And it's important because it's not a myth, it's not a legend, it's not the words of people. It was the word of Jesus given directly to Paul. Okay? Let's keep going. Verses 13 through 17. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. 
I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. So Paul's going to talk a little bit about his past. He says, you've heard about my former way of life in Judaism. You've heard the stories of how I tried to destroy the Christian church. You've heard the stories of how I persecuted people, and I put people to death, because that's what Paul did. Before he became Paul, his name was Saul, and he was a young Pharisee who was extremely zealous, and in other words, extremely zealous for the traditions of his father. He was extremely zealous. To the point of murder, he was so dedicated and devoted to the law of Moses and to Judaism that he would murder people who followed Jesus Christ. And we see we're introduced to him in Acts chapter 7 uh, and then in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 7, we see a story of a young man named Stephen. Uh, and Stephen was a believer in Jesus and a preacher. Uh, and he would preach the, the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And uh, he was arrested and put on trial. And we are introduced to this young man, this young Pharisee named Saul. And in Acts chapter 8, it says this, Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, they, they sentenced Stephen to be stoned to death. And said that Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So they're going to stone, they stoned Stephen to death. They threw giant rocks on top of him. Sometimes they would take him and throw him off a cliff and drop rocks on top of him. But they stoned Stephen to death. And Saul is there giving approval of his death, of his martyrdom, of his murder. And then Saul begins to go crazy. And is persecuting the church. And he's taking men and women who follow Jesus and throwing them into prison. So he's imprisoning people, murdering people. And he is uh, just... Uh, completely dead set against Christianity. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, uh, we read the story of Saul's conversion. Says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He is going to kill Christians. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, and that was a, a a euphemism for Christianity and following Jesus, the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So Saul is going crazy. He is like completely uh, against Christianity, and he's going to murder uh, and imprison followers of Jesus. This is incredible persecution breaking out against a very young uh, religion, a very young uh, religion uh, through Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6, Saul becomes Paul. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. 
So when you persecute the church of Jesus Christ, when you persecute Christians, Jesus takes it personally. So uh, Jesus takes Saul's persecution of the church personally. He says, why do you persecute me? Because when you persecute my people, you persecute me. When you mess with my family, you mess with me, Jesus said. And then in Acts 22, verses 11 through 16, we read about what happened to Saul. It says, my companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. And so Saul gets up, he is baptized, his sins are washed away, uh, including all the sins of his past, uh, including the persecution of the church, the, the death of Stephen, and the imprisonment of other Christians, and it's all washed away. He has a brand new beginning, and he's given a brand new name, the name of Paul. And so then he begins to go and he begins to tell people about Jesus. And again, the message that he hears, the message that he shares, it's not a message that came from within him. It wasn't a message that was shared to him by other people. It was a message that he heard directly from Jesus Christ. Meaning that he was a true apostle. Let's close out chapter 1 of Galatians, verses 18 through 24. It says, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him fifteen days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is what I am writing you is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. It's an amazing story of turnaround. It is an amazing story of transformation. The story of Saul into Paul. That the one who tried to destroy the church is now following Jesus Christ. Could you imagine hearing that Paul is on the way? That he is coming to your city? Well, wait, who's coming? Well, Paul, the guy who used to be persecuted in church, you know, Stephen, story. Yeah, 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 I know who you're talking about. He's coming here? Yeah, but that was preaching for Jesus. <laughs> sure he is. There, there, I would have been terrified. I would have been scared. The guy who was arresting Christians and, and putting them in prison and putting and overseeing their deaths, uh, he's coming here. But sure enough, when Jesus gets into your life, when Jesus transforms your life, he transforms it completely and totally, 100%. And that's exactly what Jesus did for Paul. And he says, I didn't hear this message from the apostles. I didn't even meet the apostles until three years after, I, after my conversion. And so after he's baptized, he, he goes, and uh, three years later, he ends up, ends up in Jerusalem, spends 15 days with the apostle Peter, and, and learns from him. And then he meets James, the Lord's, the Lord's brother, uh, if you didn't know, Jesus had brothers and sisters. We read about him in the book of Mark. And James, the guy who wrote the book of James, the letter of James, was Jesus' actual brother. And uh, But 
here's the story about James is that James didn't believe in his own brother. He didn't believe in Jesus as the Son of God until after he was raised from the dead. Like, could you imagine? You know, you're Jesus' brother, and he's talking about doing all, all these people are following him. You know, all these people are listening to him, and he's talking about how he's the Son of God, and he's going to die for the sins of the world. It's like, yeah, sure, bro, whatever. You know, I mean, how do you, how do you respond to that? Yeah, I'm the Son of God. Sure you are, brother. Uh-huh, okay. But then he comes back to life, and then you're like, wow, you really were who you said he was. You really were who you said you were. And so James, his own brother, becomes a follower of Jesus. Just like Paul, who was once persecuting the church, becomes a follower of Jesus. And maybe that's your story. I know it's mine. Because there were times in my life when I turned my back on God, when I, when I wanted to walk away, when I just said, you know what, I, I don't know. I had doubts. There's times in my life where I still have doubts sometimes, I'll be honest, that it faith is hard sometimes. When I know people who are going through situations and circumstances, and I, I look to heaven and go, why? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? So I don't know about you, but I know there are times when I have struggles with faith. I'm human, just like you. There have been times in my life when I messed up royally. And I thought, there's no way God could ever forgive me for what I did. There's no way that God could ever forgive me for my past, for the sins that I committed, for the uh, hurt that I caused to people, for the sins, the things that I've done that I'm not proud of. And that past comes calling. That past uh, comes reminding me that I messed up. And you know where that comes from? It comes from the pit of hell is the lie of the devil. Because the lie of the enemy is that God could never forgive your past. The lie of the enemy is that God is constantly thinking about your sin. The lie of the enemy is that God can never forget what you've done. And he's, the, the enemy is an accuser. And he is constantly accusing you. You remember when you did this? You remember when you did that? You remember when you committed that sin? Remember when you had those thoughts? Remember when you said that to that person? Remember when you messed up? And you, you broke that relationship, didn't you? And you left a, a wake of, of pain behind you. Or you really, really messed up financially. You know, and, and, and what, what good are you? Or you really messed up spiritually. You know, look at you. Your life is a mess. You're pathetic. This is the lie of the enemy. This is the accusation of the enemy who wants nothing more than to drag you down and to pull you into a prison of your past, into a dungeon of regret, and to pull you into a cycle of grief and shame and sorrow and guilt. That's what the enemy does. He tries to make you remember your past. And you look at the Apostle Paul and what he said. I mean, he was not proud of his past. He's like, you've heard of my former way of life. You know what I did. But God. You see, Paul had a but God moment. What does he say? You've heard of my former way of life. But when God set me apart from birth, was pleased to reveal his son to me, so I might preach among the Gentiles, but I did not consult any man. But God. But God. See, maybe it's time for you to have a but God moment. 
You need a but God one. You know, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says this. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. See, Paul says he was the worst of sinners, the worst sinner who ever lived. So you'll never be worse than number two, by the way. I told you that before. And it's true, you'll never be worse than number two, because Paul's always number one. He's right there at the top of the chart. But yet, but God knew. See, but God stepped in. But God intervened. But God changed his life. But God changed and transformed his future. But God changed his destiny. And maybe it's time for God to put a big old butt in your story. Maybe it's time for God to put a big old butt in the middle of your story. Because you're thinking to yourself, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the past that I've, that I've done. That You know, I, I cheated. I cheated on my family. And I, and I hurt so many people when I did this. Or I, I started on the road to addiction. And I just can't shake it. I just can't get rid of it. I just can't. I, I can't. Or I, I messed up financially. And I ruined my family because of it. I ruined my business because of it. Or I, I messed up at church. And, and now I don't know if I'm even welcome to go to church. Or I, I messed up at work and I lost my job. And I feel like a failure. You need a but God moment. Because every time the devil comes along, every time the enemy comes along and says, you did this, God says, but I did this. I sent my son Jesus. And the devil comes along and says, well, you did this. And God says, but I sent Jesus to release you from the prison of the God says, I sent Jesus to set you free. And so you don't have to live in a prison of the past. Because God frees us. Because God sets us free from the past. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is found in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. It says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. You see, the voices of the past are very loud on us. The voices in the past are extremely loud. And when the devil comes along, and he comes along to accuse you, and he comes along to remind you of your past, you remember when you did this? You remember when you did that? You remember those words you said? Remember that attitude you had? Remember how you hurt your family? Remember how you lost your job? Remember how you messed up in so many ways? Remember those things you thought, those things you said, those things you did? You remember, you remember, you remember, you remember? And you just fall into this pit of shame. You fall into this, you, you, you get locked in this dungeon of regret. You get locked in this prison of guilt. And you, and you start agreeing with the enemy. You're right. I did all those things. I messed up in so many ways. I totally blew it. Time and again. Oh God. God said, when I forgive your sin, I remember them no more. Now you see, God isn't some kind of absent-minded professor who's looking for his notes or 
you know, kind of like absent-mindedly lost his keys. So what did I do with all those sins? What did I do? I can't find them anywhere. What happened to all those sins? I forgave them, and they were around here somewhere, but now I can't find them. That's not what the author of Hebrews is saying. I will choose to forgive their sins, and I will choose to remember them no more. I choose to forgive, and I choose to forget. It is God's choice to forgive and forget all of our sins. See, Jesus doesn't remember your past to imprisonment. He forgives it, and he forgets it freely. Jesus frees us from our past. And when the accuser comes calling, and when the enemy comes lying, and say, you remember this? You say, but God doesn't. Well, you remember when you messed up? God doesn't. You remember how you messed up your family? You remember how you messed up your life? You remember how you sinned in this way or that way, and you did this, and you made that dumb decision? You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. But God doesn't. But God doesn't. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, by believing in Him, repenting from your sins, confessing your faith and getting baptized, God washes away your sin. When you call on the name of the Lord, God washes away your sin. And that is your but God moment. That the enemy comes along and says, you remember? God doesn't. He sets you free from the prison. The doors are open, my friends. The doors to the prison have been opened. And you can walk through them completely and totally free because Jesus frees you from our path.